0: Hi, and welcome to Talking With Cancer. I'm Katie. And I'm Claire. Thanks for joining us today. So, grab a coffee or a tea. In your favourite mug. Let's get settled down and begin this week's conversation. Hello, Claire. Hello, darling. How are you doing? I'm about to go and see Kate Newbold to go through, hopefully properly go through the scan results from last week, compare them to the scan results pre-surgery so yeah that's a weird feeling because to be really honest my body I'm feeling loads of different things at the moment like yeah. I'm feeling on trectonib side effects I'm feeling like post surgery stuff I'm still taking the calcium like there's loads of different feelings there's a lot so, of going on it's a lot of the
1: factory is working on a lot of orders the factory is processing a lot of orders at the moment <laughs>
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's
0: just hope that most of the biscuit tins are ship shape.
1: Ship shape, ship shape. Oh, babes, you must feel quite weird speaking to me now. I mean, literally in in the half an hour before you go off to your appointment. Does that feel funny?
0: No, or originally not. we were gonna speak after the appointment and we had to move it. So we'll just next time we speak I'll just I'll update you. But no, it doesn't feel that funny. I don't know. You know what's really interesting is when I was talking to my friend this morning and I said, I've got a lot of different feelings and she said, Well it's great you can listen back to the podcast and check what you were feeling when you started the treatment and I was like, That's exactly what I did. Yeah. Not really on purpose, but for some reason I would have listened to the treatment episode not that long ago and I I remember saying, it feels like there's fizzy in my fingers and in my, like, I could just describe it as fizzy water, like, going through my veins. Yes, yeah, yeah,
1: yeah.
0: Now, that's a very similar symptom, so I've been told, to calcium deficiency. It's like, you get, like, pins and needles in your hands and feet. And so that's where I've been confused. I've kind of gone, am I now feeling a calcium deficiency that I wasn't feeling before, Mm. oh i think actually this might be you didn't know it was a calcium deficiency before no 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 sorry i have a calcium deficiency since surgery okay okay. i've never had symptoms of it but what i'm now clearer about is that the entrectinib gives me tingling in my fingers and toes and prickly lips and i only remember Mm. that because of the podcast because i listen back to it so very long-winded way of saying like it's a really good record for me as well as it bringing you know many things to many people I hope is to know where you were and I also
1: think having listened back to some of the earlier ones more recently is and I guess this leads on to sort of our guest for this week is to hear you in your strong positive vibrant optimistic self is to hear that Katie speaking as well for me it's felt really important to hear you prior to surgery as well to hear that katie in my ear as well
0: yeah because the surgery whipped a lot of stuff out of me and actually you know i mentioned already listening back to an interview i did reminded me oh okay i have got i have got the tools i'm just i'm not in that space at the moment that's fine but that yeah. means this space i'm in with the recovery isn't forever so that is you know and it's interesting that that's given you the same yeah 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 hope or reminder i
1: guess because i i feel sort of i'm in touch with all bits of you and then to hear to hear you speak earlier and i don't i don't know yeah it's just like you're this person and you're that person too and you're both
0: at the same time do you know what's interesting? The only thing I felt positive about with this whole surgery recovery experience is just it was all in one chunk. A lot of things happened in a very contained period of time and now that I'm kind of through the other side, I'm like, well, I'm glad I just got that all out of the way in one one full swoop. <laughs>
1: yeah, 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 I bet.
0: That's it. Yeah, so much all in one go. Yeah. Like a There's camp. my little positive bundle. Sorry, I'm interrupting you because I know... No,
1: no, no, I was just going to say, like, leading on to... Um, who our guest of the week is this week who have we got Katie? it's a bit
0: of an unusual one this week so I think it was episode two when I mean I haven't talked a lot about my experience going through IVF which was last year I felt that that's quite a private thing but actually I would talk to anyone that asked me about it and I don't mind talking about it but I just didn't put it out in a podcast yeah And I did mention that I did get pregnant through IVF and then six and a half weeks later I had what's called a miscarriage in the sense that I had no symptoms, I didn't have any bleeding or anything like that, but I did miscarry. And when I mentioned that, I explained that I had come across a woman, a fertility expert, who kind of supported me through alongside the clinic I was with. And because I'd mentioned on that episode, episode two of season two, that I discovered through her that I have what's called natural killer cells. It's one of the tests that we decided it was worth me doing, having had this miscarriage. I have since read in this my cancer experience about natural killer cells being potentially a way that could answer questions around spontaneous remission. So I thought she would be an interesting person to speak to about that and also the thyroid and... Yeah, I mean, she's incredibly knowledgeable and I spoke to her, it was quite a few weeks ago, but we chatted and you had a listen and we can play that interview now.
1: Okay, over to Katie and Nova.
2: Hello, I'm so happy to be here. I am an acupuncturist and herbalist and for many years, although not at the moment, a doula, a birth doula. So I had the beautiful job of having people come and say to me, I think I'm not going to have be able to have a baby and then be like, four months later here's here's a positive pregnancy test and then nine months after that being in the room with a here's your baby so it was Mm. a way to follow through that whole journey and right now I spend a lot of my time doing business mentoring and education and actually being a practitioner is a smaller part of what I do but still I can never give it up because I love it so much and so it's my 23rd year in practice it's all I've ever done wow Wow, 23 years,
0: that's amazing. And you've got a really interesting backstory, but we've got limited time, so we can't go into all of that. And obviously this podcast isn't about fertility and IVF, but I thought it was important to bring you on because one of the really interesting things, well, I think we'll go back to the beginning, which is I only came to really understand anything about about the thyroid because of my fertility journey my thyroid was being tested and we were looking at that. What actually is the function of the thyroid in fertility?
2: Okay, so thyroid is a tiny little gland. It's like, looks like actually like a butterfly in the front of the neck, just in front of the windpipe. When it doesn't come to fertility, you can talk about thyroid as regulating metabolism. It has different components in them to regulate your metabolism. But when it comes to fertility, it's like a master switch in the body. It's so important. And it helps to talk to every bit of the other bits of your body as a woman, like your ovaries. And that conversation that happens between all of them is the conversation that needs to happen in order for you to have a really good regular cycle, to feel vital and alive, to have good libido, to have your bowels functioning. You know, a thyroid not working can be associated with such diverse symptoms. It can mean that you could be misdiagnosed with carpal tunnel, for example. Tingling in your hands and and your um, fingers can be thyroid disorders. It could be stress incontinence. It can be foggy brain. It can be a million things that you'd never know about. And so whenever we're talking about it from a fertility point of view, it's always my go-to. And often when you go to a GP, they are only measuring some bits of a full thyroid panel and that's kind of where we were in our journey too that you'd had some bits of the test done and you had been like they're fine now but they're fine I don't need to do anything else I've had them tested I've been told they're fine and I don't take that stuff at face value anymore because actually there's hyperthyroidism which is overactive hypothyroidism which is the underactive and the third bit which we found with you which was the autoimmune part of the thyroid, sometimes called Hashimoto's, sometimes called autoimmune thyroiditis. And that happens when the thyroid creates antibodies to itself. And when those antibodies are fully functioning and on the go, they undermine the thyroid's function. But funnily enough, they won't show up unless you test for them specifically. So this wasn't you, but I have had clients in the past who have been tested for something like free T4 and TSH, which are the two markers that are usually checked both perfectly normal, but antibody levels at 8,000 when they should be at the most in some of the testing, no more than 56. So testing everything is so important when it comes to fertility. And then there's a the marker of TSH, which is probably, if we're talking about fertility, really important to come back and talk about because the reference range in the UK is quite big. You have to be over five. for there to be considered a problem on the NHS with your TSH. But the thing is, when the TSH levels fluctuate up and down, up and down that ratio, doesn't even be out of that ratio, but up and down that ratio, that in itself can be a sign of Hashimoto's or autoimmune thyroiditis. And we know the further the TSH goes above two, the more likely woman is to have trouble conceiving and most importantly in your case, trouble staying pregnant because we know that high TSH levels and the presence of antibodies are both really big factors for miscarriage. Right. Okay. So I just
0: want to be clear. Well, obviously, you're not an oncologist and you don't you don't cover cancer in your work. But from my understanding, having issues with thyroid doesn't mean you're going to get thyroid cancer. And it doesn't definitely lead to thyroid cancer. So, you know, a lot of people can have a thyroid disease and never get a thyroid cancer. So I, those two things are different. I'm just saying that for the listeners because I wouldn't want people to think, that anything that's going on with their thyroid means that they're definitely going to get thyroid cancer so that's something that i've sort of come to know with regards to that then thyroid infertility when you practice with patients with clients which i was one of them what are you trying to do to get those numbers balanced out and healthy
2: i'm a big believer in integrated medicine so what i'm not doing is trying to do- get results and not do anything about them from a Western medical point of view, because I think we just use every tool we have. So like I did with you, I did the tests for you because I suspected something was going on. But then the next thing I did was send you back to a medical professional, because we had to look at what was going on and make sure everything was clear from that point of view. And for some clients, that means they need to be put on thyroxine. They need to be put on medication to support their thyroid, even if it's just temporary because we're tweaking it to help optimize their fertility, because a lot of people are perfectly functional in, in the sense of everyday life, they'd never know. But it is undermining fertility. So it's about optimization for a lot of my clients. So once we've got that under our belts, so we have the knowledge of what's happening there. Then from there, we decide what to do. And it might be that we do what we did, which was translated into Chinese medicine and treat from a Chinese medicine point of view, work to lower the antibodies work with functional medicine to regulate your hypothalamus, your pituitary. Chinese medicine does that beautifully too. But no matter what language we translate it into and how we treat, we always do what we did, which was come back and we look at the tests again and we make sure they're going in the right direction. Yeah, as well as kind of working
0: with you and also the nutritionist and the acupuncturist that you introduced me to who were trained in your diploma. Well, I know the acupuncturist is and that's who you work a lot with. As well as working with you like you say i was also put on thyroxine a low dose 25 milligrams and that was purely because we had a job to do i think if i was just like living out life and wasn't trying for a baby maybe i wouldn't have been put on that so so yes i think that's really interesting and important because the thyroid has got such an important role to play in fertility you know and in lots of things it does the other thing that I wanted to just touch on with you that Claire and I talked about a lot and we tried to unravel and we weren't very good at it we're not science people right. at all but epigenetics epigenetics is really interesting I have the ROS1 gene and I know the ROS1 gene is in every fetus and newborn and then it switches off and something switched my ROS1 gene on And essentially, that is epigenetics playing out because something in my environment, in my behaviour, turned it on. And what that was, we may find out, we may never find out. But in the work that you do, how do you look at epigenetics? What role does that play?
2: Well, as I've got older and... I've seen, particularly when it comes to male fertility, which I know we're not talking about today, but such a clear link for me in the health of the person who is going through the fertility journey and then what happens in those subsequent years and the subsequent generations. And there's a wealth of information now that's available about things like endocrine-disrupting hormones and the role, of, the role that they play in male and female fetuses. We know, for example, that perfume people who wear a lot of chemical perfume, that's a huge endocrine disruptor. And there are some studies that show that actually testicular development in babies are interrupted by things like that. So we know that things that you do in your life influence the next generations to come. So for me, in a funny way, you could say, I don't do anything to do with fertility, it's all about health, because the healthier the person is, the healthier every generation of offspring will be. Talking about epigenetics, there's a wealth of information now that is played out. We first heard about it in studies that were done from the comprehensive records there were around the time of famine in certain rural Dutch areas, and they can trace times of famine and then what happened in subsequent generations in terms of longevity and health. We now see epigenetics that we can trace from an emotional point of view um, when it comes to survivors from the Holocaust, survivors from 9-11. There's, also, a very interesting study that's done on mice. It's called the cherry blossom test, where they exposed pregnant mice to the smell of cherry blossom, but also gave them electric shocks. And in the subsequent generations, the mice who were, the babies who were exposed to the smell of cherry blossom reacted like they were having electric shocks. So we know that what happens previously to being pregnant and in utero is influencing all those generations. So really, that influence on health before you get pregnant, before you try and get pregnant is so important and it's also something I talk a lot about whenever I'm doing any education pieces which is that I always urge people who are undergoing a fertility journey to not wait until they're undergoing it if possible to come and see us because the work we have to do has to happen before you try and get pregnant in the three or four cycles before you do this that the huge change is made so a lot of the time when you're coming to see me we're kind of like turning back time and then we're saying right I know you've been trying for two years but now you go now you press go Now you're ready. Now you try. And when it comes to things like you're talking about with your own health, I once read a quote that went something like genetics doesn't make you turn into the McDonald's drive through, but it might influence your desire to do so. So you'll have a genetic tendency in your life, but it'll have to be something that you're doing or something you've been exposed to or something that happens because we know also emotional trauma can trigger it. Something that goes on in your life that kicks something off. No, no, we don't have control over that always right we don't have control about what trauma we're exposed to we don't have control about the knowledge we have that might influence the food we eat or where we go or what we do so for a lot of people when they come to see me because my specialism is the immune system that's triggers already happened so now it's right how can we modulate how can we balance your immune system how can we turn down the volume of the reactivity in your immune system to best help you deal with your life
0: you were spot on with me when we spoke because I remember you saying to me like in those early conversations or consultations, you were like, are you the kind of person that never gets ill? And I was like, yes, I'm that person, isn't it great? And you were like, i mm, not, not sure it's always great because like your immune system is kind of fighting everything out your body. And, you know, one of the things that you insisted I have, and I'd never heard of it before, was a natural killer cell test. Remember, it was, you know, it's an expensive test to do, but we agreed, look, it would be worth investing in because it would say a lot about whether potentially what my immune system was doing was fighting an embryo out of my body. And if it was going to do that once, it could potentially do that again. So why move forward with trying to get pregnant when my body might be rejecting that embryo? There could be other explanations for a miscarriage. You know, tend to be a lot a lot of focus on the embryo having been abnormal as it gets called which again that's another subject about language and how we name things but infertility and everything in the medical world but anyway I digress so natural killer cells was something that you talked about that was the blood test that I did and it came back and showed I did have natural killer cells when I have read about spontaneous remission there are arguments and theories that claim spontaneous remission, which is when cancer can disappear from people, unexpected and unexplained. One explanation could be natural killer cells in the body of fighting that cancer out of the body, which is just amazing. And when I started to hear about that, I was like, I've got natural killer cells, I know I've got them. So it was thanks to you that I knew anything about them. So can you just, again, share your insight and knowledge into natural killer cells and how
2: they work and what they do? Yes, of course. I work with a wonderful consultant so if anyone's listening to this it's dr yao tum at the lister and we work in conjunction and the beautiful thing about the way we work is again we test and then we treat and we test again and in fact we just had somebody come this week with the highest level of natural cells i've ever seen and four months ago we did our stuff in the way i did with you and we have just had her after which is completely normal she's just been given a clean bill of health from dr tum and told she doesn't you nothing medicine so again what we do is really powerful stuff and so i always say to my clients before you spend thousands and thousands and thousands of pounds on any sort of IVF treatment, any sort of going ahead and trying again, let's just do this test expensive as it is, because if I I think you've got this as a potential issue, and if you do, it's a false economy not to just make sure that you're not equipped to deal with it. And effectively what it is, and natural killer cell tests, when it comes to fertility, they're called reproductive immunology tests, because really we're only measuring one particular uterine natural killer cell, not all natural killer cells in the whole body. So, when we're looking at that, there are again different tests all over the world. We don't use the most famous original one, which is a University of Chicago testing, because that tests the overall number of natural killer cells, not the activation of them. Those are tested in this amazing new test that we have here in the UK. And what that means is you can have loads and loads of natural killer cells. And you absolutely need to have them in the body because, as you say, those are things that fight. They fight. The body's own cells naturally contain antigens, which are substances which cause the body to produce an immune reaction against itself. And the body has to learn which are dangerous and which are not. Right? And sometimes we get foreign bodies, foreign antigens in there, which are things like viruses or Bacteria, or even mutant genes like cancer, right? So, we need your body to have natural killer cells that have this adaptive response that can learn, can remember, can fight, and can really clear the body up of, of all of that. But what happens when it comes to fertility, which is what we're talking about today, is that you have very highly reactive cells in your body and cytokines, actually, what is what they're called. And they're Bits of your body that see things coming, but instead of seeing things as self, like an embryo as self, like something that belongs to you, don't find it. It needs to be there. It sees it as a foreign body and goes to town stops it implanting well, stops implanting at all in some cases. So both unexplained infertility and recurrent miscarriage can both come under the banner of a reproductive immunology problem, as can a whole lot of stuff that happens at the end of pregnancy. So for example, we can associate things like interuterine growth retardation, early birth, preeclampsia. Those are all high blood pressure. These are all things that are potentially associated with a uterine natural killer cells being too aggressive and stopping implantation happening really well. So what we're measuring in those tests to come back in the UK, we're looking at not how many natural killer cells you have, but how many of them are doing the wrong thing. So you could have 80,000 natural killer cells, and if they're not activated, it doesn't really matter. Or equally, you could have three, but if they're highly activated, then they're a problem. So we want to see what's going on. And as part of that test, we look at the ratio between those highly active bits of your body, the highly active cytokines, they're called Th1 cells. And we look at their counterpart because in, in life, in nature, there's always a balance, the Th2. And the Th2 are the calming ones and the modulating ones. And the Th2 cells are those that are much more pregnant in pregnancy for, sorry, present in pregnancy, for example. And we just see how those two bits of your immune system are talking to each other and how we, in Chinese medicine terms, can help you modulate that. So we don't want to suppress one or raise another. We want to help you balance the two things together. So for example, when it comes to Th1 cells, we might see people, for example, who have... So when you're dominant in Th1 cells, you might be maybe on the small, living in a smaller body, for example. Maybe you have a thyroid issue. Maybe you have brain fog. Maybe you have IBS. Maybe you have polycystic ovaries or endometriosis. Maybe not get sick very often. You may be having recurrent miscarriage. All of those things come broadly under. And when we're talking about genetics or epigenetics, if we look back in our families, if there's a history of something, for example, like arthritis, that's quite significant for me when it comes to immunology, rheumatoid arthritis. And then we have to balance. So we have some people who aren't TH1 dominant, they're TH2 dominant. So those are people who have allergies and have lots of hay fever and who might, in the middle of their post-ovulation, their luteal phase, have hives and rashes come up unexpectedly, which we now know are an allergic reaction to the body's own progesterone, which in itself can be problematic. So we really look at the immune system and how it balances out. And while I'm looking at it from an immunology point of view, really, if we take a step back again, it's all about health. So we look at how the balance of the body is working and what information we need from that client's history and their genetic history to understand how to help them in the moment with their fertility journey and essentially with their overall health.
0: So you really are, as I think you called yourself, a fertility detective. You (laughs) really are that. You're really trying to understand the whole picture. You're looking for evidence anywhere you can find it. And then when you treat an individual like me, which I know you do less of now, how are you treating, just to summarize, like how are you
2: treating your
0: patients, your clients? So
2: first, I do something called collecting them. It's actually a parenting term, but that applies so well. And what it means is that I know that most people go through their fertility journeys on their own. They have to ask for recommendations of who to see. They don't understand that when you go to an IVF clinic, you're there to be treated with IVF. You're not there to find the answer to the question, why? And you having to figure it out all by yourself. So the way I work and the way I train the people who work with me to work is to collect the client and what I mean by that is that we want them to be able to hand over every bit of information and then for us to be able to talk to them about it all. So they're really empowered through the giving of that information, empowered to understand, empowered to question, empowered to look at different options and although none of us are doctors, we have, you know, like me, we've spent so many decades in this field and we keep abreast of all of the new research and So we often understand and can see what's been missed because doctors by default, by nature, are compartmentalized people and we're not. We understand the spectrum. So you know, we might have clients who are coming in, for example, and this would be like the easiest thing in the world these days, but we'll come in and say, I've been told I don't ovulate so I can't get pregnant. But then I'll look at their temperature charts and I'll realize that they've been tested to see if they've ovulated in the wrong window. And actually that person just ovulates much later. And if they can have sex at the right time, they'll get pregnant but I'll look at the whole spectrum of information. We'll look at temperature charts, we'll look at scans, we'll look at blood tests, and we'll figure out what we need to do, not only to diagnose that, but then to bring the ovulation back down into line with where it should be to optimise the egg quality within that cycle. So we really function in just collecting that person and making sure they're not in it on their own and then holding them through a process that will end in the baby, but not being in between them and the medical system really quietly being behind just empowering them to have the best experience in their journey that they can and the treatment part is Chinese medicine so that would be Chinese herbal medicine I'm a member of the register of Chinese herbal medicine British acupuncture council member also so you know you're being someone who's got a really good studying because these days unfortunately in the UK literally Katie you could go into a weekend course and get insurance and say you're an acupuncturist Bonkers. It's one of the only unregulated countries. But so you've got to be safe. You make sure that your acupuncturist is a member of the British Acupuncture Council. And if you want to get someone who's done the high level of training that I'm talking about, then you go into fertility support.expert. You gotta find someone I've trained, they're all over the world now. And then you get that quality of what I'm talking about. You get held in that journey because that's what I teach you to do. And then yeah. You have people like me who also have got contacts. So I sent you to different clinics, right? And to different doctors. And I handpicked the people I work with so you get the best experience you can. And that's your journey with someone like me.
0: Yeah, it was hugely, hugely empowering. I came to you after I'd had a few rounds, a few transfers. I decided I wanted to change clinics and I needed to really, you just came at the perfect time to empower me and to just help me understand. Don't know what you don't know. And I think, then you don't know what to ask. And what I realised listening back to you is that that definitely has helped me on my cancer journey because I've realised, like, there's loads of things that I want to understand. I mean, I've talked on the podcast, Dinch is much better at asking questions than me, but I realised, like, because I work with you, it gave me more confidence... To kind of dig a bit deeper, so it was a brilliant experience working with you. But I think what you do, what's amazing is that you're sharing your knowledge and you're training practitioners, and you've created this diploma, and that's really kind of the network. So people can go out and find other years not exactly like you, Narva. Let's not let's not be silly, but they can find other people under your umbrella, and I think that's brilliant. I think you know it's really really brilliant what you're doing and really successful so thank you and thank you for finding the time to talk to me because i know you're very very busy i really appreciate you coming on the podcast thank you so much if i could
2: choose and most of the time i do i get to choose i have wonderful clients and what you're describing is something i gave to you is actually something that you do for me and my work and i want i want to say that too because one of the beautiful things about the way we work and the way i teach is that we're in relationship with each other it's not me doing something to you. And one of the things that you did is you asked questions of me, and then you went away and you find answers, and we talked, and so we had this ongoing, equal, back and forward dialogue throughout the experience. And that's what I come to work for too. So as much as you feel you gave to me, you gave to me in that too, because I think that clients who kind of come to the party like you did with the force of their intelligence and their observations and their questions, that's what kind of drives me to be the best practitioner I can be and creates this relationship that gets this movement and momentum happening for you. Nice. So if people want to find you, it's fertilitysupport.co.uk. It's actually, they can find me that way, but uh, I have a pretty long waiting list. You can come on it and I will see you as soon as I can. But if you don't want to come and see me and you're cool with seeing someone I've trained, it's Fertility fertilitysupport.expert. Thank you. Have a wonderful one. Day. So
0: that was me speaking to Narva Carmen, who runs Fertility Support. What did you think of that chat, Claire?
1: Two things brought up with me, loosely bundled under the first heading of... Um, advocating for yourself, which is a common theme in this podcast. And then the second, just the the mystery of the body. And so point one, advocating for yourself. She says a wonderful thing to you about your relationship or her as the doctor and you as the patient and that you need to or that you used in your consultations with her, the force of your intelligence. And I just think that's a real, that feels to me like a real rallying cry for anybody who finds themselves diagnosed with cancer or another serious illness is like, ask your questions, come forward, find out what you need to know. Don't be like, advocate for yourself if you have the will and the energy and the strength. Don't be, you know, Ask questions because it could push on on your consultant to think a bit differently, which is I know is something that you've encountered, or you know, it could open up other, other avenues for them to think a bit differently. And I just think it it's like the active role, and it's unfortunate that it has to be like that this in a way, but the active role that you can take as a patient in your own care and which leads on to my second sort of thing of this is like again, just we live in these bodies for such a long time. Yeah, we don't know anything about how they really work. And particularly with fertility, like when she's like, you know, you you should be in training three to four months before you go through your IVF cycle. It's what you've done three to four years with, like, the, I don't know, the perfumes you wear or the cosmetics you wear. And I just think there's just so much about how our bodies work and the knowledge that we don't have about what we need to do for optimum health. I think if we were better informed or, I don't know, how, how you get informed that... I don't know it just makes me sad that that's not in commonly understood a lot of things about fertility and then again just the mystery of the body how it can you know the fact that there are natural killer cells in, you know in the body and, and she says you know they don't always work the same way in fertility as they do in the rest of the body and and just what a what an extraordinary factory it is it is isn't it you know? it is
0: extraordinary and i think Chatting to Narva took me back to that time in my life where yeah. I was so focused on one outcome. And within that experience, I informed myself. I think that's part of the point you you might be making or in addition to what you're saying is that mm. whether you have the intelligence or the force of your intelligence or not, I think what you have to do in those circumstances and anything health related is kind of get as much information as you can so you know what questions to ask because that's I think what's very difficult in that fertility world and again there I was very privileged to have someone really to hold my hand through a lot of it before I went through it again because I'd already had an experience and then I decided to bring her on and go through a different clinic Mm. and that helped me ask
2: the yeah, right it, questions
0: it, and that's what's often very hard yeah. in any circumstance i imagine is you don't know what questions to ask yeah.
1: the unknown unknowns you don't know what questions to ask and and i think what you said like maybe it isn't about the force of your intelligence and i'm wrong there but I, I apply that to you like you bringing the force of your intelligence to what you're dealing with now but you sort of have to become an expert when you're plunged into a situation like this any illness you become an act ex- not overnight but like you're forced to it becomes your world and Your specialism in a way, like you learn at speed. I think
0: what I've found really hard with regards to the cancer is the rarity of it and the lack of information around it. And I think that that's, you know, I have been asked, like, what's it like to have a rare cancer? And I've said, I don't know any different. But
2: Mm. in a
0: way, you know, maybe that's a good thing. I'm not Googling, I'm not finding stuff. There isn't stuff to find, there aren't other me's. And I know that's very often the case whether you have a rare cancer or not. I spoke to someone I think I mentioned I was going to speak to, actually. Yes, of course. The epigenetics person. Well, I want to get his absolute uh, title right, because I've been not very good at this. I've spoke to an amazing guy called Dr. Paul Huang, and he is the leader of the Molecular and Systems Oncology Team in the Division of Molecular Pathology at the Institute of Cancer Research. And I watched and listened to some of his stuff and read some of his stuff before we spoke. But he made the point, and I don't know if I made this point, that one in five cancers diagnosed is a rare cancer. So 20% of cancers go under the rare cancer umbrella. And I didn't know that. No. Actually. So that was quite interesting. But chatting to him was amazing. We spoke for an hour. And I will be speaking to him for the podcast at some stage. But, you know, it was... It's interesting when you speak to the sciencey people, and again, they give you—they make you become more informed as a result. That can Mm -hmm. help to ask the questions, but at the same time, they are scientists, so they may say things you don't want to hear. Yeah, yeah. You know, and he made the point. And data doesn't really have a very good bedside manner, is it? When you know. Uh, Well, there is, and that's the other thing. He made the point. He said, "Sorry to put it like this, Katie, but you are an experiment." Lovely. And he made the point, he said, it's like a tube map. There might be a closure in one line, but you know you can find your way another way. And he said, that's what cancer's a bit like. I was like, okay, hey. So it was a bit more of a wake-up call. But, you know, this is his world, and that's the risk you take yeah. when you speak to experts who are you know, at the forefront of it. Yeah. And what's the other beautiful thing that a doctor said to you? Beautiful thing, the be- beautifully unusual
1: beautifully unusual i prefer that beautifully
0: unusual I said beautifully unusual experiment i'm yeah. a beautifully unusual pioneering experiment Let's pioneering experiment the strap can... line gets longer but yeah, it's longer and longer because <laughs> <laughs> i said to him i was told that if i stay on the entrectinib and do the iodine again the radioactive iodine it may be effective what do you think about that and he just said no one knows Mm. no one knows because yep. of course on is usually given for lung cancer patients and they don't use radioactive iodine in lung cancer so you know it was kind of reminded me that i'm this you know very unknown experiment yeah and also the idea or the, or the fact he's fascinated why do cells stop responding to these kind of drugs
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's another part of his study
1: and are you finding it helpful? Because there are some pretty unvarnished truths in there to, to get your head around.
0: It's really funny, like, because of what I've been feeling physically, but, you know, and it's been so, so difficult these recent weeks, I, this is quite difficult to say, but the realisation that this could end up in a way that's quite painful and uncomfortable and because I've really felt so much physically, yeah. that's been a very different... Reality for me to living my life and being mindful and being grateful and accepting that we all die, and you know, mm-hmm. but actually thinking about how that might happen. Yeah. It's a very different mindset, and that's not yeah. through speaking to him, that's just everything. But when I talk to him or when I have those conversations again, it comes, you know, it, everything comes to the forefront. Yeah. You know, yeah. I might go and meet Dr. Newbold now. And everything might come to the forefront again or it might be, you know, good news, or that is part of it. That's just part of it. And those kind of I think those kind of feelings and that reality. But basically, you know, this is real. And I think yeah. the more into it I get, the more real it feels. I think. Yeah. I still don't know. Because sometimes again I I kind of go, What, how is this me? But mm. you know, all I'm trying to do at the moment. Is just have nice things going on in my life yeah. <laughs> literally yeah. you know little break bring in the joy bring in bring, bring in the, the joy, joy. Yeah. that's kind of what i'm really focusing on at the moment yeah it's like i said to you last week i would have done anything to walk or in your eyes dance in the rain dance. three weeks ago anything anything so yeah. Yeah. it's like wow yeah remember like it has been a huge reminder what I've gone through, and just having my physical body, being able to have a shower, wash my hair, yep. you know, not be in
1: pain, yeah. Yeah. yeah,
0: put on makeup again, take time, go out for dinner, exactly. So all of those things, you know, that I wasn't able to do for what felt like a lifetime, and it was probably a four-week period. Yeah. I just, just do it. Just got to do it.
1: They're micro joys, aren't they, when they return, and you're like, I can do this without discomfort or i get to put this top on or i can you know i'm apply my mascara i can put my lipstick on i can get in the car i can have dinner with my partner no yeah totally totally
0: and then like just tolerating discomfort i mean i'm in discomfort yeah. but it's nothing like what i've been feeling so i'll, I'll just mm. take it i'll just take yeah. it <laughs> yeah
1: yeah well, i've been downgraded i've been this only your real life where you'll be happy to be downgraded <laughs> yeah it's a different level that's fine fine because they always
0: ask you out of 10 where's your pain yeah where are you yeah Yeah. it's really interesting and now i'm probably at like a four or five
1: okay that's good it's good just observing you just from the other side how you are approaching this like i have a a quite strong image of you with a diamond and examining this cancer from all angles like exploring all facets of it the spiritual dimension of it the practical day-to-day dimension of it the emotional psychological the uh, scientific dimension of it there isn't an area of this that feels to me that you're not willing Mm. to inquire into which is so well yeah i was going to say brave i don't want to say i don't really want to use that word but it uh, it is it's to what nava said the force of your intelligence that is being wrapped around this
0: so: Oh um, wow, yeah. That's, I like that analogy. I really like that. I'm looking into a diamond, yeah, and I'll take the diamond side of it too. Take the
1: diamond. There you go. Yeah. It's a crystal after all. <laughs> one of the hardest crystals.
0: Isn't all. it four C's, how you tell a diamond cut? Oh my God. Clarity.
1: Cut, cut clarity. Cost. Uh, for sure. <laughs> it's probably not, though, is it? Clarity and then cost, it which wipes the other four off, which you don't care about the fourth one once you've got to the cost. It's probably not, isn't it? Uh, we'll come back. We'll put the four C's of diamond hunting into the show
0: notes when we uh, when we do this. That's so funny. So, anyway, it was interesting chatting to Nava again after all that time, but she is, like, super smart and super, you know, she knows her. she knows her shit.
1: She knows her shit. That's what comes across there. And what are her details for anybody wanting to reach out to well, her? Well, she has. Her support? Well, she.
0: The thing is, what she's done now, she's actually whittled down her client relations. And mm. what she really does, which is fascinating, is she's about. She's got a diploma, so you can. Study Narva's way basically, her way, and you could. And it's an online thing, so you could do it all over the world. And she's got loads and loads of people under that umbrella, you know. So, you might be an acupuncturist and you want to also be able to say you specialize in fertility, you can learn the Narva way, and Mm. then you've got that. And so, that's how I found I went through seeing an acupuncturist during that time as well, and I found that acupuncturist under her Narva umbrella, yeah, yeah. So you can find her under fertilitysupport.org, you know, but no point going there if you are an individual looking for fertility support. It's worth looking at other people under her. One
1: of her practitioners.
0: Exactly, that's what I'm trying to say. That's how you can find her. And, yeah, it was good to speak to her. And I know it's a bit left field, but hopefully it was interesting to learn about the thyroid's function and, you know, other stuff in, in that chat.
1: Though it's focused on fertility, I think it's applicable to any journey you go on where you have to learn about your body and you and the things that you don't know at the beginning and the expert that you are at the end.
0: And I also think, like, the fertility industry is an industry. Mm -hmm. It does make a lot of money. And I think it was interesting what she said. Like, the clinics are there to give you IVF. They're not really there to look at the whole picture. So you kind of need to do that for yourself.
1: And I guess that's one of my main takeaways as well. If you are contemplating IVF, get support and help at least three or four months out before you want to do your first round. Because you might not know that about your cycles, that the eggs that you'll harvest are actually produced three or four months earlier. How your body works, like, yeah. So I think there's lots of handy information in there, game-changing information in there, actually, if you're contemplating treatment yourself. So
0: thank you, Narva and Katie, for bringing that to light. Well yeah. said, darling. Oh, it's good to see you, you look great. You too. You're off, to Thanks. Do, you're off on a surfing holiday, but you're not allowed to surf. So I can't surf because I've hurt my back. That's yep. going to be a very interesting challenge. You know, you're going to have to find other things to do on a surfing holiday.
1: Chat up, surfers. No, I'm joking. <laughs> Maybe you're just there <laughs> find... to observe. Maybe I'm just there to observe. That's it. Just lie, lie down, and then um, write some poems mm-hmm. and rest.
0: There's some empathy happening with your neck because you've sprained your neck in some way. And I feel like you're giving me some kind of love in that. Oh, I don't know why, maybe that's really self-centred no, of me. No, 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 no. But at how all strange not. that it's your neck that's gonna stop yeah. you from surfing.
1: Yeah, well it's my neck and the hole of my back. Oh is it? I'm sort of like I'm like become one of those like really immobile, stiff writers. Just spend too much time on a laptop. But yeah, it's my neck and my back.
0: Okay, well have a great time. Thank you. Okay, we'll have, <laughs> have a great, great time. time. <laughs> <laughs> okay, it's not a ex sympathy thing then. Fine. No, 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 no che- it could be. It could, no, but it could.
1: Claire. No, but it could well be. The subconscious is a curious thing. I know you're obviously going to appointments when I speak to you at other times, but I feel particularly sort of on tender hooks right now, knowing that you're about to go to an appointment.
0: Yeah, it's a bit of a. It is a. I'm oh, sorry, it's, I shouldn't say no, that. As no, I shouldn't affect your is, thinking. But I'm,
1: it, I, I feel anxious for. Yeah, I feel anxious it is because it's that
0: moment when you walk in and it's like. Can I read her? You yeah. know what I mean, or do we just get straight to it? Is she going? You know, th- there is a lot of that, and it does cause anxiety going in for those scan results, especially as I've really made a point of saying beforehand, I really want some clarity in this appointment. Yeah, Dinch will meet me there. I've got to have bloods before. Okay, few. Okay, few, yeah. few, few. I'm
1: glad Dinch is there. Yeah, our celebrity from last week.
0: Wasn't he oh. amazing? Yes. It wasn't last week. It was episode three. Yeah, and this oh, is yeah, episode sorry. eight. feels sorry. like last week. My, We've got a funny time brain. thing. No, I, know, I think brain. Dinch was amazing in that.
1: Yeah, I found it so moving. And I love talking to him, how rich his language is, how his wonderful turns of phrase. But also I think that episode will help so many people who are partners of people with cancer.
0: I hope so. You
1: know, yeah. yeah. Thank you, Dinch.
0: Thank you, Dinch. All right,
1: okay. have a great right, trip. That's it. I will do and um, I love you love you doll thank you thanks for listening to this week's Talking With Cancer feel free to share the show or give us a review on Apple's podcast Spotify or Google it could help other people find out about us and might help someone you don't know who's got questions about cancer
0: please get in touch we'd love to hear from you either via our Instagram which is talking underscore with cancer or you can email us hello at talkingwithcancer.com. See you next time. Bye.